John Maxwell in his 15 Laws of Growth book talked about most people go to their grave tapping into a very small percentage of their potential. And so while getting outside your comfort zone is is a part of that, becoming more of who you already are is a huge part of that. Imagine how your life and business would look if both were aligned with your purpose. You would find clarity and confidence in decision-making, set boundaries to keep you focused, and take intentional actions which move you closer to achieving personal and professional goals. Your host, Amy Austin, is a successful entrepreneur, coach, speaker, and brand strategist. With marketing and branding experience spanning over 20 years for service industries, such as healthcare, software, and entertainment, Amy guides you and your business towards uncovering your purpose and the true foundation of your brand and brings it to life in marketing strategies that educate, engage, and empower. The Pursuit of Purpose explores how to put your unique purpose to work, building an authentic and successful service-driven brand. Each week, Amy will bring you practical advice to help you live your life and grow your business with purpose. I'm joined today by Erica Olaf, and Erica and I know each other from a couple of networking groups, but what we're going to talk about today is strength finders and understanding the value of your strengths and what they can bring to you. And and we'll talk probably a lot about my strengths. We'll use use this conversation as a master class of mm-hmm. of what understanding your top five strengths can mean. Mm-hmm. But I would like to, Eric to just start off a little, and tell us a little bit about why do you find the strength finder so valuable in in coaching and in just how we interact with each other, both professionally and personally? Well, thank you, Amy, so much for having me on. I feel honored to have a conversation with you today. I always enjoy our conversations, and I know that's because you're a wooer and a great communicator. So I am so passionate about the strength finder assessment and just helping people tap into their full potential because it is how they behave. So I know, Amy, you're so passionate about why people do what they do. I love that component too. Huge fan of Simon Sinek right along with you and love that you help people dive deep into that because I think when people reach a point where they might feel stuck or like they're up against a roadblock, it's coming back to the why and that can get them right back on path. But, you know, one of the reasons that I've really built my business around StrengthsFinder is because I feel like when people are able to gain a deeper understanding or greater self-awareness in how they think, feel, and behave in a natural way, and they can apply time and knowledge to that day in and day out, they're more engaged and more productive in what they're doing. And then they're able to also delegate or release some of the other things that they're not applying their talents to, to someone who can use their talents to execute on those things. So I'm really passionate about helping people reach their full potential. So John Maxwell in his 15 Laws of Growth book talked about most people go to their grave tapping into a very small percentage of their potential. And so while getting outside your comfort zone is is a part of that, becoming more of who you already are is a huge part of that. And so when you talk about people thriving in their life, right? I mean, we naturally gravitate to doing the things that we enjoy doing and do well. The problem is you need somebody to hold a mirror up to you to help you recognize those things that you do so naturally well. And so Gallup says you're one in 33 million which is so fascinating to me. Well, it's it's interesting because, you know, when I took my strength finders test probably yeah. 12, 15 years ago, maybe, I'm not and sure. It was 2009. I looked 2000, at okay, uh-huh. 2009. 10 years ago. I didn't really know what to do with it. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't anything that mm-hmm. was directed to me by my boss or or anybody to take. It was just a coworker came in and said, hey, I found this. I really think you should take it. This would be something you would enjoy. So I took it. I looked at it and I was like, okay, yeah, number one, woo, read the description. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. But then I didn't know what to do with the other four that were in that top five. And I just promptly put it in a file and set it on a yeah. shelf. And when I left that job, packed it up and kept it in the, in a box. It wasn't until probably two years ago, I was working with a coach and she asked me what my strengths were. Yeah. And we started talking about them a little bit more, but 
Then fast forward to about nine months ago, I have become more aware of what my why is Mm -hmm. using Simon Sinek's principles, and I help people do that themselves. And so as I was talking with someone else and recommending that maybe she explore Strength Finders as well, I read some of mine aloud to her. Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh, this is really interesting. And what came to light through that conversation was that my top five represent my how Mm -hmm. in the golden circle of the why, how, what. Yes. That has put an entirely different perspective on those top five to me in realizing that. But there's a couple of them that I, even even with that acknowledgement Mm -hmm. that I was like, I don't quite get where these come from. And I've had you and a couple of others say, I'm really surprised that learner is not in my top five. Right. And so I don't know, maybe if I took it again, it would be a little bit different. Yeah. Or it could be in your top 10. Sure. So how do you recommend that people really leverage their top five in their day-to-day workings, both, as I said before, professionally and personally, because certainly it impacts all of our interpersonal relationships. Right. And that's a key thing to know. And that's why I love StrengthsFinder because it's not a personality assessment. It's a behavior assessment. And so your behaviors you take with you in every arena of your life, right? So how you make a decision, you do the, the way you make it is the same thing personally as it is professionally, right? Or how you interact with people around you. And again, you know, the things that might frustrate you about other people, Right? It's going to be the same in a personal relationship as it will a professional relationship. Right. Well, and that's similar, too, of, of going back to that idea of your why. Simon Sinek says, you do not have a why for your business and a why for your personal life. You have one, mm-hmm. and it manifests itself mm-hmm. in different ways within all of the different facets of your life, but it's still all rooted in that one core purpose, right. that one core why. Right. And your why is about your past. It's how you've, you know, the experiences that you've collectively had Mm -hmm. and that has shaped you into who you are. Mm -hmm. And going forward, it's about understanding what your just cause is, Mm -hmm. which is the principle that's outlined in his new book, The Infinite Game. And that's more futuristic and visionary, Mm -hmm. but it's greatly impacted by your past, by your why. Mm Yeah. Yeah. And understanding your strengths and how they fit into that is going to help somebody be able to capitalize on Mm -hmm. their ability to achieve that just cause. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In a way that's fulfilling to them. Right. As opposed to disappointing to them potentially. Yeah. Yeah. So to address your question of how do you help people or how do I help people leverage who they are? First, it's doing exactly what you were uncertain of, and that's helping them understand how their talent manifests itself in their life. And so the thing that a lot of people don't understand is, so your number one talent is woo. So if we lined up 5, 10, 15 insight descriptions of people who have woo in their top five, they would not read the same description. So there are very general descriptions that people are aware of, right? But the way that your woo manifests itself in your life is very unique to you. And so one of the first things that we do is have clients underline or highlight the words or sentences that most resonate with them. And so the thing that's interesting is your other, your sequence of strengths will have an impact on how all of your top five play out in your life. And so to leverage who you are, you first have to understand how it plays out in your life. So for instance, two people with futuristic, one might be more an internal vision of the future where they spend time thinking about it, visualizing it in their head, where someone else's is more of a verbal expression of being able to cast vision for the future. And so you have to know that so you can do it, Mm -hmm. right? So 
it doesn't become a strength until you've taken action on doing the very thing that you've been gifted to do. So it's raw when you first learn about it, unless you've already had years of practice playing it out. And so the other thing that I find is a lot of people, especially because they're oftentimes associated with people who are very different than them, there's what we call barrier labels that are assigned to each strength. And so sometimes we squash who we naturally are because someone around us has verbalized the barrier label to us. So I know you have Wu Mm -hmm. as your number one. And so people who have Wu love meeting new people. Right. And I know that's you. I do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know so many people in the community. You could walk into so many stores, right, and and meet a handful of people. And and that fuels you. I've been in the Mall of America and found people that I know. <laughs> and you have no problem going out, going up to them, breaking the ice, right, starting to dive into conversation, building rapport with those people. You're a great networker, right? And so that is who you naturally are. But on the flip side, there's people who are very intimidated by that. And so if their woo is bottom of the barrel, right, if that is so low for them, they're going to assign a barrier label to you that is a misperception of who you are. And so they're going to assign a weakness to you or a label to you that devalues who you were created to be and what your gift is. And if they verbalize that to us, for some people, you know, sometimes it could be a spouse right? Or a sibling or a good friend, you know, could verbalize, you know, gosh, you're so superficial. Or why do you have to talk to everybody? You know, if their strength is to only talk to a few people, or they're very intimidated or challenged by breaking the ice and going and talking to everybody in the room, now, instead of saying, gosh, I love how Amy can go talk to everybody, and she can build a connection with everybody. Now all of a sudden they're assigning a barrier label to you. And if that's verbalized to you, you could squash that and say, what's wrong with me? Oh my gosh, like I need to just sit at this table. But internally it's draining you because you get energy and give energy when you are able to connect with people and you have communication, number two. And so you pair those two together. You have charisma. You are easy to talk to, right? Right. And so you pair those two together. And you're doing incredible things with people. But if somebody close to you is devaluing that and verbalizing it or making you feel like you should not do that anymore, you're not going to be thriving. You're not going to be leveraging who you were created to be. And I can think of a few times when that has happened. And And how did it make you feel? Made me feel like I wasn't being authentic to who I am. Right. They think you're fake or shallow or you're not genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So that's my woo strength. Yeah. So my number two is communication. Yes. Obviously, I'm in a communications field. Yes. I love <laughs> that you're doing podcasts. This is so perfect for you. Well, and it's funny because I can write. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you start a business, you're like, oh, you need a blog. You need a blog. I tried. And I tell my clients to write blogs. But I can't, mm-hmm. I cannot bring myself to be consistent mm-hmm. with writing them because I focus too much on them being perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to have them revised multiple times. I send them to a friend of mine who's an editor and she, you know, she reviews mm-hmm. it. And granted, by the t- she's gotten to the point where she does very little when she edits them for me, but I still want that reassurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas I can sit down and have a conversation with somebody Mm-hmm. That's the reason I'm doing a podcast mm-hmm. and be far more consistent. I mean, love it. this is episode 19 and I probably don't have that many more blogs written over the course of six How years, many years? Yeah. you know, as opposed to this launched in July. So July, August, September, October, four months, 18, 19 episodes. It's awesome. Five years. Think about what you're, where you will be. I know. Five right? and 10 years from now. Um, mm-hmm. And how strong you will be in your communication talent. Right. Because I just, I would much rather just sit down and have a conversation with someone. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, or even just talk about what it is that I'm going to write down, which could be another way to approach blogging is that I just record it and then transcribe it and have that become mm-hmm. 
And I actually listened to a webinar on, that, on writing a book, and that was one of the things that they recommended on how to be able to, to generate a book faster was to record your content first, transcribe it, and then go back in and edit. Love it. You know, and that, so that would be a would, perfect way for you. That'd probably be the only way it would happen. Yeah. Um, what do you love most about your communication talent? Oh, well, that's an interesting question. Because I think this is such a key one for you. Let's go through your communication right, real quick. Full disclosure, we actually paused so that I could look at what my communication strengths mean <laughs> because I couldn't remember them all. But I think the one that probably stood out to me the most was the idea of that I take in a lot of information and then sometimes it sits for a while and I make connections of other pieces of information that I brought on and I figure out how to be able to take that back and use that with the people that I work with or with the people that I'm at a table with networking wise. I mean, it is what I've done with incorporating the start with why philosophy into the brand work that I do. But I also pull from things like Bernadette Jiwa with Story Driven and Donald Miller with mm -hmm. Story Brand and Brene Brown with the story arcs that she talks about and the importance of vulnerability. All of those things come together under what I do in a way that I, I don't know that there's anybody else that pulls from that diverse set of sources to be able to do that. Amy, I'm just amazed. It, to me, there's so much affirmation in you tapping into utilizing I mean, the first two strengths that you have, woo and communication, in doing your podcasting. I mean, it brings me a lot of joy to witness you doing this only a few short months and how consistent you've been doing it, which is truly evidence that you are running in your strength zone. And so, I mean, I can only begin to imagine the opportunities that will present themselves to you because you're doing what you naturally do well. And so last week, you know, for you to be able to hop off and hop right back on and, and record. And a, if you didn't listen last week, you know that Erica was supposed to be my guest on last week's episode. And we had technical difficulties at every turn. And so we decided to punt and figure out what we needed to do differently and record this week. So I did not have a topic in mind as of the day before it was supposed to be released. So that's what Erica's referring to there of I came up with a topic and you can... In a split second. And so one thing that I, I have a question for you, because people with strong communication typically need an audience or a sounding board. And so do you feel like you have, and I know this kind of comes out in your communication, but when you have an opportunity to share an idea or a thought or perspective with someone and they share something back, it leads to a new thought and a new idea and a new perspective. And then you're able to run. Right. Because the topic last week that I started reading infinite game, actually I hadn't even started re reading it yet. I didn't start reading it until Saturday. So I, rec I recorded this before that, but I'd listened to a couple of interviews with Simon Sinek about it. He talked about the worthy rivals, and mm -hmm. that brought back to mind the idea, this quote from Bernadette Jiwa of, there's no need to compete when you know who you are. Mm -hmm. And that's really what he's saying, is that when you are in your lane and doing what you need to do, you just need to do what you need to do and understand that you have others who are doing similar things, but view them as a worthy rival because think about the that mind shift, that perspective change that happens when you call somebody a rival as opposed to a competitor. Mm -hmm. um, you want to beat them, right? a competitor. You, you just want to continually do better when you're against a rival. Mm -hmm. And it's right. perpetually going on. Yeah, if we don't have those, we can become stagnant. Right. So, yeah, what I did then is I pulled from all of these different pieces of information that are stored away in my brain or written down on notebooks because I have felt like it was something I would want to know and come back to. Yeah, I started piecing them all together. So good. So that is leveraging how you naturally behave, which is what strengths is all about. Well, and, and as you say that, too, I... A friend of mine in college would always come to me with, how do, how do I handle this situation? And she would, you know, go through, this is what she was dealing with. And 
she always said, you know how to read the politics better than what she did. And so she'd tell me what it was and I'd say, well, I, this is how I would handle this. And, you know, you need to understand what this person's role is in this situation and what this person's role is. And that's your individualization. And okay. But then I would tell her how to communicate. Yeah. And we pair those two together. So I love individualization talent. And I know that's in your top five as well. Right. I think that's number five. Five. Yeah. Yeah. And so the power behind individualization, especially from a leadership perspective, is you're able to see the unique differences of people. Right. And so you're seeing individuals for individuals, which people who don't have that, which is why exactly why she came to you, you were able to identify exactly who was who mm-hmm. and why that person would be the best fit for whatever it was. Yeah. Or what role did they what play role, in that what role situation? Did they play? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's your individual individualization coming through. Well, and I think the other way that my individualization comes through is that I am more inclined to meet somebody where they're at as opposed to thinking that they already need to be, you know, like to start Mm -hmm. working with me, I'm going to meet you where you're at as opposed to you can't work with me until you get to this certain point. Now, granted, there might be some instances where you'd be better off working with me if you've already done a few things. I will meet you where you are, mm-hmm. identify what your next goal is, and figure out how do we need, what do we need to do from a marketing and branding perspective to get you to that next goal. Well, I appreciate that you value brands and people for their individual differences. Like that is what makes you great in helping people uncover who they are and why they do what they do. Well, because you're able not... to identify those unique pieces. And so, you know, when you talk about leveraging who you are and leveraging your gifts in your work, if I needed brand work, right? I mean, anybody looking for someone to do brand work, I mean, working with you is ideal because you are able to say, this is what makes you unique, right? After right. asking the questions right. and diving in deeper. Yeah, I'm not going to... I'm not going to approach it in a cookie cutter way or tell you that, you know, you're exactly the same as somebody else or Mm -hmm. this worked for another coach that I worked for. So therefore it's going to work for you because that's not going to happen because there are unique sets of situations that come in to Mm -hmm. play with you versus somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that makes you great in the seat you're in. So one of my other strengths is empathy. Empathy was not anything I really appreciated all that much until having gone through helping my mom through her journey with cancer Mm -hmm. and seeing how important empathy is when you are in that type of a situation Mm -hmm. because you cannot fully appreciate what a person is going through unless you've been closely associated with it. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. I have not had cancer, but I know what it's like for my mother to have had cancer. I know what it's like for my father to have had cancer. Right. And as a result of that, now I look at the experience that I have within healthcare systems very differently than what I did prior to having that experience. Mm -hmm. Honestly, Amy, I think because of your empathy, even outside of the medical realm, because you are a wooer and you have a communication talent, I believe that your empathy could allow you to relate to or connect with or feel the emotions of anyone who's gone through something that has been traumatic or challenging. Yeah, I can see that. I I see that I look at a lot of things differently having had the empathy awareness Mm -hmm. elevated Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah, I can see that. Mm -hmm. So my other one that we haven't talked about is adaptability, which definitely came into play last week as well because we had to just kind of go with the flow, go with the flow of what was happening and, and move forward with it. And Mm -hmm. I think for the, for me too, the adaptability kind of works hand in hand with the individualization as well, because Mm -hmm. by me being so focused on the idea that every person is unique and we, and there needs to be right. attention to that uniqueness given. That also means I have to adapt 
a lot. And I, I will confess, I had a business coach tell me, you can't do something, you, you can't create a new product every time with, you work with a different person. That's not scalable. And I think, you know, there's some level of truth to that. That might be a very oversimplification of how she shared that with me. But it was in this idea of create something that can be easily replicated and if you're in if you're creating an individual package for somebody every time you work with them you're cutting down your ability to replicate and build even like a secondary stream of in, a passive stream of income mm-hmm. right and i think that's part of the reason why i hesitate so much even on the idea of doing an online course because it's not going to work for everybody but that's one of those and maybe that's a blind spot for me to to just get over of it's fine if it doesn't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. They're going to take what out of it what they need to have out of it. And at some point in the future, they may need the rest of what they didn't think they need mm-hmm. at that time. Well, and you can also use your gift of individualization to, in an online course, say this, this, or this might work for you, right? And so, I mean, I truly believe to the depth of my being that, our hows are also different, right? So I always appreciate when someone says, this is what worked for me, but it might not work for you, right? right? Because we all have different ways of behaving right, and doing things. And I do that a lot, giving somebody options. You might try this, and if that doesn't work, try this. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you pick which of these three mm-hmm. is going to work for you. Totally. I think that's how you would customize it or make it more customizable. Interesting. I hadn't thought about it in that perspective. multiple options. And that's what makes you great. And you probably have those options in your mind. Sure. If you really dive into it. Mm -hmm. And so the other thing with your adaptability is your day-to-day. So the opposite of adaptability would be someone like consistency who like every day to be the same. Like, that's what gives them energy. And when every and day is the drain you. Yeah. And when I have too many days that are the same, I'm just, like, bored and feeling like you're in a rut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. you have to be aware of that. Right? Mm-hmm. Self-awareness. Yep. So you like every day to be different. Yeah. And you can work your work around that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's day-to-day, too, for adaptability people. It's not just situational. Right. Or being mm-hmm. able to pivot in an instant. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a part of it. Right. But also how you structure your calendar. Which is probably why mine's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't confess that, right? And so think about it. What an ideal week would look like for you. And you want to leverage your woo and your communication. I mean... Looking at all of your strengths, you have a lot of relationship-building strengths, right? And so people have to be a huge component of your week. Exactly. Yeah. And when I go too long without having either left the house or left my office or being around people and even just having a conversation, it's usually not enough for me to just say, I'm going to go to Target Mm -hmm. to get out and be around around people. people. You have to be in I need to be intentionally. Yeah. I need to have that, that conversation, that interaction. So let me ask you this, since you've started your podcasting and you bring a guest on probably twice majority of the time, twice a month is the goal. Mm -hmm. And so how do you feel like your energy is when you have a guest on versus just speaking yourself? I would imagine that my get, my energy is probably higher when I have a guest on than when it is an epi- a solo episode. Interesting. I should listen to the difference because I know when I do a solo episode, I try and pace my conversation or my my tone or my cadence slower mm-hmm. so that I'm being very intentional. I've been told that I have a little bit of a jazz singer sound to that voice of that. It's kind of that slow, like I should be on a jazz radio station when I'm doing, you know, and that it would be the, the low, slow music that's playing, whatever. 
I would venture to guess that's not the case when I'm having a conversation with somebody. I mean, it maybe is a little bit this time because I'm, you're also prompting me to do a lot of thinking Mm -hmm. about what we're talking about as we're doing it. Right. As opposed to, you know, when I interviewed Zach Messler, where he's high energy and, you know, we fed off of each other very much so because of the type of conversation that we were having. We were just same page. Yeah. Yep. And it's not that you and I aren't on the same page. It's just you're also turning the tables on me and asking me questions, which is good, but it is causing me to have that more inflection Uh on what I'm going to say next because I'm not. I don't have a script of questions in front of me. Right. Yeah. I mean, so just knowing you have woo and communication, which are both high influencing talents that require people. It's very interesting. So Erica, another thing that, that you have shared with me before about strength finders is that in the 34, they're Mm -hmm. categorized in, I don't remember how many are in each, but that bigger umbrella of what each of those represent. Can you talk a little bit about what, is there four Four. primary categories? Four themes. Themes. Yep. So that's a really good question. So essentially when Gallup did all the research for this, they had thousands of talents coming in from top executives and CEOs on what made them great. And so they found commonalities in those, which is also what contributes to the uniqueness of your individual talent or your individual description and how it manifests itself. But they, they filtered it down into the 34 talents and then they filtered those 34 talents evenly into four themes. And so one theme is an executing theme. Those are the talents that make things happen, right? Get things done. People who operate only in the executing theme might make people feel like work is more important than people. I probably know a few of those people. And so it's not that case at all. It's that's what makes them great. And so do they need to be aware of how they might be perceived? Yes. And so, for instance, Achiever is an executing theme. And Achiever is actually like the number one or the most rated talent among all of them. And um, I've worked with many Achievers who have had to learn how to achieve in their personal life because every day starts at zero for an Achiever. And so they have to feel like they are executing in some form or fashion to thrive. And so for some of my clients, it's even checking the box of spending time with their kids or their significant or doing a load of laundry. But every day starts at zero for an achiever. So they just have to learn. Or I've had a client where she had to learn that the result was not what she had to dictate her achievement by. It was the activity. So she was basing her achievement on results. And you can't always do that. Right. Right. Because... The seed isn't always harvested upon being planted. Exactly. And so she just had to shift her focus, but she still felt a sense of achievement because she checked it off her list. Done. Activity is done. Results will follow, but I'm not going to stay in the office until the results have come in. It's activity outbound only, what they can control. Mm -hmm. And so that's a common you know, you just have to learn. And so you kind of talked about the blind spot or the, the weakness. And so it's just being aware of those things, aware of how others might perceive you. Don't neglect the fact that you're still an achiever. You still need to be able to check things off your list right. and feel like you're executing in your life. Mm-hmm. If you have executing themes or talents, you just might have to pivot those a little bit. So the second one is an influ- influencing theme. And so those people speak up and make sure everybody's heard, right? And so for you and what you're doing, making sure thoughts or concepts, right? And so you're taking Simon Sinek's start with why, and you're making it clear for people around you, right? You're utilizing your communication talent or theme to verbalize Mm -hmm. that to people around you. And then there's the relationship building theme, And so that's really the glue that keeps teams together or keeps client-customer relationships together, right? It's the bond between people. 
Right. And then you have the, the thinking, the strategic thinking theme. And so you need those people who are able to look at, analyze information, if it's data, past things that have happened, and able to make decisions to move forward. Sure. So really, if you are, you know, if you're somebody who's charged with building a team, mm-hmm. to be able to find people that represent each of those four quadrants is ideal. Is ideal. Yep. And if you're not building a team, but you're a business owner, to partner or collaborate with people who fall into some of the themes that you maybe have a gap in. And so even if you're not hiring people to be a part of your team, that you're at least leaning on. Right. Right. Or contract work. Sure. Right. Or collaborating Mm -hmm. or having mentors who are strong in those other arenas. Mm -hmm. But yes, if you have a team or an organization, right? I mean, it used to be as a young leader, I thought I had to be all things to all people. And that's far from the truth. Like we're not supposed to be well-rounded. We're supposed to be great in who we are and then connect and collaborate with people who are great in who they are, who they are. Right. Right. And so having a well-rounded team, but not well-rounded individuals. Right. That kind of reminds me of the connectors concept in the tipping point, Mm. um, which is Malcolm Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, my, I'm very much a connector, mm-hmm. which is my woo. Totally. But a connector, um, if I recall this correctly, a connector is somebody who knows a lot of people, knows a lot, knows a surface level about a lot of different topics, mm-hmm. ultimately then is able to find and connect somebody to per, someone who has a greater depth of knowledge mm-hmm. for what they do. And my husband is very much that. Mm-hmm. You know, he, expert in his yes, he he doesn't know nearly as many people as what I do, mm-hmm. but I know that if I need if somebody needs to know anything about cars, televisions, technology, computers, you know that vein of thing, I'm gonna go and ask my husband. Who do you know that can help this person? Mm-hmm. But I'm I am. And have been for years the person that people will come to and say, Amy, do you know somebody who can do this for me? Great. And even in my business model now, there are, you know, I tell people I'm not a graphic designer. If you're looking for graphic design, I'm going to get you to the point of where you need to find somebody. And I'm going to help you find one that's going to work well with with you. you. Individualization. But I am not going to do the design for you. That's not Mm -hmm. who I am. That's not what I do. And, but I'm going to connect you to, you know, three or four people that I think could be a really good fit for you. That's great. Or, you know, I know enough realtors that if, if I get find the one who's right, I'm going to say, okay, I think one of these three people might be a really good fit for you. You go and talk to them and decide which one of them it is that you go with. But here are the three that I would recommend for you or five or whatever, because I seem to know a lot of realtors, financial planners, and because you've been in the networking sphere for so long. And that has come easy to you. Do you realize for a lot of people, they don't enjoy that? I realize it more now than I used to. See? And so that's the thing that I think is so aha for people is what comes naturally to them. They don't even consider that that is challenging for someone else. Right. Right? So if they're someone strong in a thinking talent, they don't understand people who can't make a decision. Well, I have a hard time, like I said, I'm more aware of this now, but when I tried to blog, Mm -hmm. and I tried, I struggled with coming up with topics because I felt like, well, everybody knows these things. Well, no, not everybody knows what I know. Not everybody knows it in the same perspective as I know it in. So what I felt like would be too elementary of a blog topic probably could have been a really great blog topic, but mm-hmm. I didn't allow myself to do it because I felt like, well, everybody else knows this, it so I don't so need to do it. so naturally to you mm-hmm. to collect all of these ideas and topics and thoughts and perspectives. And I mean, you are one of the members around the table when we're networking who you know is able to add value in a way of contributing a new podcast a new thought, a new book. And not only this is something you should 
read or listen to, but here's why and here's what I got out of it. You know, and I know that there's been so many people who have appreciated you adding value in that capacity and it comes so easy and natural to you. Right. It doesn't, I mean, I don't feel like I'm doing anything outside of the norm. Mm-hmm. I'm like uh, everybody, anybody else would do this. So why shouldn't I do this? That's so great. You could add a lot of that in your social. Yeah, I probably should. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's people. So again, this is what makes you great, but it comes so easy and natural to you. You don't realize how great of a gift it is until you're in conversation sometimes with people who say, wow, like you're so good at this because it's so low for them or it doesn't come easy for them. Right. And for me, it's just, this is just who I am and what I do. And it, I think everybody should just know it and I shouldn't have Or you think they already do. Yeah. And so you're not going to add any value. Yeah. And that's what I mean by when I say everybody should just know it. And it's not the case. Right. So I challenge you to do that. Challenge accepted. Um, so one thing that came to my mind as we were talking is, so going back to Simon Sinek again, he has in in Start With Why, talks about that we understand or our why is formed. That's what it is. Our why is formed by the time we're 18, 19 years old. When do you think our strengths are formed? I mean, I have a 12-year-old. Could she take strength finders and would it be an accurate dis- yeah. Depiction of who she is. Yeah. So they actually. Oops, she's 13. Ooh, let's make sure she doesn't hear that. She's 13. Or That's all right. It's authentic. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so actually they say in Gallup actually has a daycare. Really? For little toddlers to go to. And they will send your child home at the end of the year with an assessment. Now, it's not as exact as the one that we're taking. Right? But when you're in your teens, you can absolutely take the Gallup Strength Assessment, and they say that who you are is set. You know, they actually discourage people from retaking the assessment. Really? They actually say it can be more inaccurate if you retake it. I can see that because if if you retake it too soon, especially after you took it the first time, mm-hmm. you have a bias coming into it then you, that you wouldn't have. Like for me, I don't know that I would have that because I don't remember the types of questions, mm-hmm. you know, that are on it or how I, I certainly would not remember how I would have answered them. Right. And, and so basically, you know, they say your raw talent doesn't change mm-hmm. over time. And so, yeah, I mean, for me, it's going to be something that I have my son and that I'm looking for, you know, as he's growing up. Like right now, I feel like he has competition. Sure. And woo. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so just paying attention to the talents that he's displaying as he's getting older, but having him take the assessment and understand how he makes decisions, how he thinks, how he feels, how he behaves. I've been working with some high school students actually recently. Really? And it's been uh, really rewarding to see their boost of confidence and their boost of self-esteem. And actually, one of them, her mom started crying when she learned her strengths because she was actually kind of worried about her, Uh right? Because she had adaptability Mm -hmm. and includer, you know, and she just, so one of the barrier labels for adaptability can be directionless and that they don't always make decisions, you know? And so her mom was worried that she didn't know what she wanted to do when she left. Mm-hmm. You know, and so she she read her strengths. She immediately felt a new sense of ownership of who she was and like a whole new level of acceptance. And now she's zeroing in and executing on developing those. That's great. Love it. You know, when I was still in a position to be hiring interns and things, we would get a lot of college student resumes across the desk and and they were putting their top five strengths on their resume and at the time of course that was when I didn't really fully appreciate any of it Mm -hmm. I was like what the heck is this I don't understand this but I can see where that would be valuable I mean I I should probably update my LinkedIn profile for Mm -hmm. multiple reasons why I should update my LinkedIn profile but I should include my top five in there because that could it's how yeah. you work yeah, and how you is. work with people. Mm-hmm. And so for some people, 
their strengths will elicit that they actually prefer to work alone, you know? And so it's so important for students to know that, you know, or who they should collaborate with. Well, and especially at a high school setting or a college setting where there can be so much reading between the lines and and, so much comparison and yes, comparison to have a heightened awareness to this could be really life changing Mm -hmm. for them. Interesting. Yeah. And so I asked you about that. It's not. So Gallup discourages people from using it as a hiring tool because they don't want you to hire someone for the talent that's written on a paper because just because it's written on a paper doesn't mean it's a strength yet. And so someone who has, you know, if they're hiring for focus, and someone has it as their number one, but actually the person who has it as number five or even 10, who's been actually putting it to work or into practice mm-hmm. is actually going to be the better hire. Well, it kind of goes back to that idea from uh, Covey of sharpening the saw. Yes, exactly. Ten years ago when I took mine, I didn't understand the value of some of those. But now over those ten years, I've learned the value of them. I understand them and I appreciate Mm -hmm. them. So I focused on sharpening the saw. Right. It's all about action in what you're doing and how regularly you're doing it. And so if you get to work in your strengths, and so even for you, as you're talking about podcasting versus blogging, how much more consistent you've been doing a verbal As opposed to a written dialogue. Yep. Right? How more consistent, which means greater productivity, more engagement, right? But if you were still trying to do a blog because you thought you had to execute on that, you know, the time that it takes, the draining, how draining it is. Oh, it's totally draining. I mean, I can't tell you how many lists of ideas topic ideas that I've written down and then to sit down. I mean, I had an entire year of topics planned out at one point that I could pull out and probably use now for this. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that I even wrote three of them out of there Mm -hmm. because it just, the idea of sitting down and writing, of writing that was difficult. Now, can I sit down and write for somebody else? Sure. But if it's for, to do it for my own benefit, it just, it doesn't come as easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's not leveraging your strength. Right. No, not your at talent. all. So Erica, we've been talking for quite a while now, so we should probably wrap this up. <laughs> but what would be your piece of advice to, to someone who's just recently taken the Strength of find, Finders assessment? Mm-hmm. What would you tell them to do with it next? Yeah. So, you know, the saddest thing for me is when I come across someone who said, oh, yeah, I've taken that assessment, and I asked them what their top five are, and they can't regurgitate those top five. And so I would have been a big disappointment to you about three years ago then. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it makes me sad because that's a fail in the system, right, for people to take an assessment and then just tuck it in a drawer and not dive into it and understand it. And so obviously – For me, the benefit was working with a coach and her helping me understand it. And so if someone has the opportunity, and there's a ton of people who work with strengths, if they have the opportunity to dive in with someone who can ask the right questions and help them uncover and unravel who they naturally are, that's going to be the greatest benefit because you get this long description And really the goal is that you can turn it into a short definition of how Mm -hmm. it plays out in your life. And so, you know, if you can work with someone to really tap into it and uncover it, and if not, I mean, in the meantime, you can read through one strength at a time, underline and highlight the words that most resonate with you, and then turn it into what your definition of it is. And so the one thing that I would encourage them to answer is, If they're, whatever their talent is, so we'll just say woo, since that's your number one, for you to say, my woo talent helps me blank. What do you fill in the blank Mm -hmm. with that? So that now you can go act on that thing. And actually the book, if people have the book, I encourage them to read, not only their own, but others to have a greater awareness of 
of how other people are very different than them. Right. Especially if they can sit down and collaborate with some people around them who have also taken the test. But to read through the action ideas, don't act on all 10 or 15 of them, but take one and start doing it. And the more you do it, the stronger you'll become. So it's all about action. So first you have to understand it, make sense of it in your own mind. So if someone came up to you and said, Amy, what are your top five strengths? You could say woo, communication. Adaptability, empathy, and individualization. So you can read them off. And then you, and people say, well, what does communication mean? You can say, well, this is how, this is what it means to me. This right. is how it manifests itself, or this is how it plays out in my life. And you're able to have one sentence for each strength. So that every day you wake up and you say, how am I going to use my strengths today? Because when you use your strengths every single day, you're more productive, more engaged, and you're happier. And it conserves energy because you're doing what you naturally do well. You don't have to. Right, because if you're so trying hard. to force yourself to do something that you're not good at, it's draining mm-hmm. emotionally and physically. Right, and so actually there have been instances where people move people from one department to another department because they're not thriving in one department. Now they move them to a different type of department. So if they're in a strategic thinking department and they're not thriving there, they move them to an influencing or relationship building department and they thrive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just, you know, I mean, it's what's the flower quote? Sure. Every flower is destined to bloom in the right circumstance, in the right environment. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you just have to shift or alter the environment in what you're doing. Well, thank you so much, Erica, for your time and your expertise on this. I will put in the show notes information on how you can reach Erica. Thanks for having me. Thank you. This has been the Pursuit of Purpose podcast presented by Austin Marketing. For show notes, links, and more, go to www.amyaustinmarketing.com. You can subscribe to the show and leave a rating review on iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks for listening.